I heard a story uh, this week, and it goes something like this. There's a master, and there was a servant. And the master goes to the servant uh, one day, and he, he looks at him and says, you are the dumbest person that I ever have met in my entire life. And, and then he tells the, the servant, I, I want you to do something for me. I want you to carry this stick until you can find someone dumber than you. And so the servant takes a stick and they go their separate ways and years go by. It comes to the end of the master's life and uh, the master's on his deathbed. He's face to face with death. He starts thinking through his life and he thinks about the servant. He's like, man, that, that guy was so dumb. And I, the last thing I told him was hey, carry around this stick. I wonder if he's still carrying around. And so his curiosity gets him to call in the servant. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm, I might as well just say bye to him. So he calls in the servant. And sure enough, here comes the servant in the, the master's room. And he's still carrying that stick. The servant looks at the master and he's like, master, hey, what, what do you need? The master's like, well, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm going on a journey. And, uh, and I, I'm not coming back, so I want to let you know, I just want to say bye. Servant says, okay. Well, master, where are you going on this journey? And this is, the master responds, oh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go. Servant looks at him and he's like, oh, well, master, like, like, are you ready? You got everything you need? Or are you prepared? The master responds, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm ready. If I'm, I got everything. You know, I don't know if I'm prepared. Servant looks back at the master again and goes, well, okay, well, master, how long have you known you're going on this journey? And the master responds back, he goes, I've known my entire life this day would come when I would go on this journey. The servant's like sitting there, he's thinking to himself, and he slowly looks up to the master and he's like, Master, you're telling me you, you've known your entire life you would go on a journey, you would go on this journey. But you never got ready for it. You never prepared for it. And you have no clue where you are going. The master's like, that's exactly how I'm feeling. That's exactly how it is. Servant looks at the master and says, master, you can have your stick back now. See, the point is, we are all going on a journey. Most people believe there has to be something more after life on earth. There has to be something else. There has to be more than this. But they spend their life not preparing, not thinking about eternity. The Bible tells us there's only two destination points. There's heaven, there's hell. But most, they don't want to, it makes them feel uncomfortable thinking about 
where they possibly might be spending eternity. It makes them feel uncomfortable thinking about hell and, and, and thinking about not just them maybe going there, but also their loved ones. And so they, they want to change truth and re, redact truth about hell. But it doesn't change that there is two real places, heaven and hell. And when we think about it, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow, Right? We're all on this journey. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And, and, and yesterday, we, get to, we got to remember, right? 20 years ago, yesterday, Americans got up just like there is any other day. Got up, started doing their morning routines, getting their cup of coffee. They got up. Send their kids to school. Said bye. Went to work. Clocked in. Saw coworkers. Saw friends. Saw maybe family for the very last time. And every day since, thousands of people, their life ends. Their life comes to a close. We got this life to make this decision. Where, oh, how are we going to spend the next? And again, it makes us feel uncomfortable thinking about heaven, hell, especially as thinking about hell and people we love maybe spending eternity there. So we change truth. We, we, we have things in our culture like people saying, oh, there is no heaven, there is no hell. It, it's just live however you want to live right now. Do whatever makes you happy. They try to change truth that way. They try to change truth by, by saying, okay, oh, all, all paths eventually lead to God. Or, or they change truth by saying, okay, there's not a heaven, there's not a hell, but we, we get reincarnated as something else. We, we get brought back. So don't worry too much. Well, then we got also people who believe, well, hell, is, that's for those who are really, really evil. Like, they deserve hell, but then, then like, heaven's hard, it's hard to get into heaven. But most people, you know, where we'll find ourselves, we'll be in this middle ground thing. Uh, and, and if the people that love you, who are still alive, if they pray hard enough, maybe they can pray you out of that middle ground and pray you into heaven. Or, or maybe if they give enough to the church, maybe they can, they can buy you out of that middle ground and buy you into heaven. problem all of those views is they're changing truth they're changing what really is heaven and hell both very real the bible is really clear on that in fact just speaking on hell alone there's over 162 references in just the new testament and out of those 162 times, Jesus 
He talks about hell more than he talks about heaven. So out of those 162 times, he mentions hell over 70 times, describing it. Trying to help us understand that we will, we try to change truth. It's trying to help us understand there's only two destinations. So Jesus in Luke 16, he tells a story. And in the story, it, it, it's a story that some would go, it's a, it's a parable where others will go, it's a real story. And so some say it's a parable because of the fact that it, it, Jesus is known for telling parables. Short stories with powerful truth, powerful meaning for our lives. Which in Luke 16 at the end, here in the story, it's a short story that has powerful truth, powerful meaning for our lives. But if it was a parable, if it is a parable... It would be unlike any other parable because of the fact that Jesus here in Luke 16, it, at the end, he uses a real name. In no other parable did he ever use a real name in describing someone. He would just describe a person. But he uses Lazarus. And so because Jesus uses a real name, it causes some people to believe this is a real story. But it at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter because Jesus here is teaching truth about heaven and hell. He's trying to get us to understand both are very real. So let's jump into this passage where it says this, and starting in verse 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And then there was a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. So here Jesus describes two, different, two guys living contrasting lives on earth. One rich, has everything he could ever dream, everything he could ever want. You could say he has built his earthly, earthly kingdom well. Whereas you got the poor man, Lazarus, who's homeless, who's not able to keep up with washing, cleaning himself. He has sores over his body. He's starving. It says, which is kind of an interesting note, the dogs were coming and licking Lazarus' sores. Like the dogs found, which Lazarus was looking at the food falling off the rich man's table and going, that looks appetizing. And the dogs were not looking at the food falling on the ground thinking it was appetizing. They were looking at Lazarus thinking he was appetizing. Totally contrasting lifestyles. One living in complete, like he had everything, joy. The other in pain. Then it switches and Jesus describes Switches from describing their life on earth to describing their eternities. Describing two different places. He says, now the poor man, Lazarus, died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. 
So if you're looking at both these and you're looking at Lazarus and he's, it says he's carried away to Abraham's bosom, what does that, what does that mean? It, it's Abraham's side, if you want to sit, call, say it like that. It's, it, it's, so you look furthermore into what does that mean? It, it, it means a place of complete joy. It's a place where Lazarus feels complete security, intimacy, love of, a, of being a child next to its father. Whereas the rich man is described going to Hades. And there he's in torment. If you, you know anything about the word Hades, it also com- comes from the Gehenna, which means the Valley of Hinnom. And if, so Jesus is trying to describe, he's going, hey, look at heaven. It's a place of complete joy that Lazarus, he's getting to experience. And then he goes, all right, now the rich man, he's in hell. He's in Hades. The valley, painting the picture for everybody listening. He's in the valley of Hinnom. He's trying to give them this image in their mind of what hell is like. So the Valley of Hinnom, it was, a, it was a place in the southern part of, of Jerusalem that was, was a place that was used for child sacrifice to the Canaanite god Molech. So they burn, burning kids. Later it was used as a place of, of burning garbage and burning criminals' bodies. Jesus he uses this image of fire to describe hell. He uses and then he says that the rich man is in torment. And so when we put these together, we're, we we thinking a rich uh, the rich man is in hell and he's in flames and he's in torment. It makes us feel uncomfortable, and it should. He, thinking about. People for an eternity in hell, burning, should make us feel uncomfortable. So some would go, they, they, here's where they want to change truth about hell. They want to go, hey, this isn't, this isn't a, a literal flame. This is Jesus just using a metaphor of flames. Or the, the word torment here, it's not describing an external tor- torture, external pain and suffering. It's just an internal thing. That's not what Jesus is saying. Look at what he's saying next. He sa- it says, in the rich man, he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger and water and cool off my tongue. Just a little bit. I just want this pain. This, for I am in agony in this flame. I just want the little bit of this to simmer down. But Abraham said, child, remember that during your life you received good things. And likewise, Lazarus, bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. You could, if you say Jesus is using a metaphor here, then you have to say that as Jesus is describing hell as flame, fire, you would have to say if Jesus is using a metaphor, 
Hell has to be worse than fire. It can't be any, not as bad as fire. It can't be Jesus is going, hey, hell, it's like fire. It's like the valley of Enum. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's like that, but not really. Because then Jesus would be exaggerating. He would be lying, right? So Jesus, he's speaking here. He's telling truth about hell, trying to help us understand what hell is. And he says, it's a place of agony, a flame. It's Hades, Valley of Hinnom. He's using all these words to describe, help us understand that it isn't a metaphor. We, we take the Bible as it is, and we believe that hell is literal flames. Over and over again, Scripture describes hell as that. So what is hell? It's a place of torment, torture, forever. It's a place where God's rightful wrath, his judgment on people who refuse to obey him. Look at what 2 Thessalonians says. It says, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not Obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Hell is God's retribution on those who do not and refuse to obey him. It's the penalty of eternal destruction away from God away from his presence. For the argument that says, hey, it's just a temporary place. You're able to maybe eventually be prayed out of it. That's why in this story, Jesus goes on. In verse 26, it says, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm. And it's fixed. There's a great divide. There's a great separation. And it is fixed. It is done There's nothing that can change it. So that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able. And that none may cross over from there to us. It's permanent. Nothing can change it. Nothing as soon as our countdown, the timer, hits zero on our life. Our destination is set. And if it's anything less than Jesus and what he has done for us, our destination is separation from him, and that is what we deserve. But people, they go, okay, I I get it. Like, heaven, hell, okay, the Bible says they're both real, but hell, it's got to at least be, it's, it's for the really, really bad people, right? Like, it, it's for the people that are the, the murderer, the rapist. It's for the, it's for the Taliban. It's for the ISIS. It's for them. They deserve God's wrath, eternal flame forever, torture, torment forever. That, that's what they deserve, right? It, it, that's who's going to be in hell, right? Well, but what about the good people? What about, you know, us? What about, what about the good people who try to do our best? 
And we're not them, right? So what about us? You know, Jesus had a guy that comes up to him and asks that exact question. Hey, he comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher. Hey, how can I know that I will go to heaven? And Jesus responds in Mark 10. He says, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus answers it perfectly. He's like, Who, do good people go to heaven? No one is good. No one is good. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. No one is good. You know, if I stopped and I asked every single one of us, or if I, we just started going, taking a poll, and we started saying, hey, give us a number, zero out of ten. If you died right now, where will you go? Where is your destination? Heaven or hell? How confident are you that you will spend eternity in heaven? Zero out of ten. I think a lot of us, most people, will go seven or eight. And the reason is because they feel like they're a pretty good person. And they probably are a pretty good person. And, and And then you ask them, hey, why do you think seven and eight? Just out of curiosity. And you know what exactly would happen next? Their resume. They would start going, you know what? I, I go to church. I, uh, I, I pray every once in a while. I get in, my, I get in the Bible every once in a while. Like I, I give sometimes. And, and you know what? One time I, I gave 20 bucks to this homeless guy. That made me feel pretty good. I'm not a saint. I'm not this perfect person like no one is. No one can be a 10. But I'm, I'm not Hitler. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good. You know, I think God's going to go, hey, I'll let this one pass. It's not what Jesus just said. Here's a guy who's he's probably a pretty good guy coming up to him. And he's going, hey, what can I do? How can I know I'm going to go to heaven? No one is good. Am I good enough? No one is good enough. We've all missed the mark. And just a few verses later, Jesus looks at the guy. And I I love that it points this out about Jesus. And it says that Jesus looked at him with a great love. And then he answered him. And he he told him, hey, you got to get rid of everything. Not that that was the answer. He was saying, hey, you got to follow me. Surrender your life and follow me. Stop building your earthly kingdom. Surrender. Follow me. What's the rich man so great at doing? He was so great at building up his earthly kingdom. 
He built up his earthly kingdom, but in that, he forfeited his soul. So who goes to hell? Hell is filled with those who refuse to worship God, who, to surrender, who refuse to surrender their life to God. Every single one of us deserves hell because we are not good enough. Every single one of us deserves it. God isn't forcing anyone into heaven. He got the rich man then. There, built the earth kingdom. He's now forfeited his soul. He's found himself in his destination of hell. And he sits there and he's begging for just a little bit of the, the pain, the suffering, God's wrath to be reduced. Asking for a little drip of water. It's never going to reduce. It's fixed. That's what hell is. We all deserve it. But then he goes on understanding that he is hopeless and helpless. But then he thinks about his brothers and he begs again. Verse 27, and he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him. Talking about Lazarus. You would send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. You know what's crazy? Jesus, not so long after this, he rises somebody from the dead. He's telling this story to the Pharisees. And then, not so long, much longer late, not so much longer, he raises somebody from the dead and a different guy named Lazarus. Not the same Lazarus, different, totally different, but he raises a guy named Lazarus from the dead. Like, it's kind of ironic. Here's, the, here's Jesus telling this story, this story to the Pharisees and he's saying, hey, even if someone is brought back from the dead, still some people will not believe. And then, short time, I'm... Waits of several days where we look at that story and we're like, what is Jesus thinking? His friend's dying. He allows his friend to die, Lazarus, goes to Lazarus, brings him back from the dead, and still some people didn't believe. The Pharisees didn't believe. In fact, the Pharisees turn and want to kill Lazarus. It makes them mad. They don't turn and believe Jesus is God. Then Jesus dies. Days later, rose, defeating death, conquering the grave. This, the, the, the thing that we see as the end, typically, 
the grave. Jesus proved it wasn't. See, heaven, hell, real places. We all deserve to spend eternity separated from God forever. So what's the solution? What's the answer? It isn't that we're good enough. It's the cross. The cross shows God's great love towards us. Look at Romans 5.8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in the middle of our sin, while we were still broken, while we were still doing relationships not God's, in God's plan and God's way, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then it goes in Isaiah 53, it says, But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, by his blood, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each and every single one of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Hell displays the justice of God. And the cross displays God's love, what he was willing to do, what he was willing to go through so that no one would have to spend eternity in hell. The cross, Jesus bore our sin, our debt upon himself so no one would have to spend eternity in hell paying for their sin. Jesus paid for it on the cross, a once and for all dealing on the cross. Because no one is good enough except God alone. So he paid the debt penalty for us so that we wouldn't have to You know, you think about evil and the cries of justice, and we think about 20 years ago. The evil that took place. I was just listening yesterday, listening, looking at social media, just and almost feeling overwhelmed, but almost anger. Just at the evil. probably like every single one of us. There's great news. When it looks like, like, and you look through history, like the Holocaust, and it looks like people have gotten away with awful, horrendous crimes, evil. No one gets away with evil. God says, vengeance is mine. 
There's one day vengeance is going to be God's and every single person will pay for our sin, our evil, our crimes against him. As much as we are crying out for justice, God is going one day for all of eternity. Why hell exists is because one day for all of eternity, people will pay for their sin, their evil. No one gets away with it. That's good news. No one gets away with it. But it's also bad news because we got to look at ourselves. Because Jesus put the standard, he said, no one is good. We're all doomed. We're all needing help. We're all needing saving. No one gets away with it. So even, not just when we're looking at evil that we, everybody would say is evil, we got to look at ourselves and look at the things that we have, the sin in our life. Every time you looked at something online, you're lusting, every time you're doing relationships outside of God's plan, every gossip, every selfish act that we've ever done, very prideful. Every time we have intentionally went out of our way to hurt others, through our words, or our actions, every lie, will be paid for, for all of eternity. And it will either be paid for on the cross or it's paid for in hell, for all of eternity. See, James says life is a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We aren't guaranteed 10 years, 50 years. We aren't guaranteed it. What we are guaranteed is we will either spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Where are you spending eternity? Where is your confidence in? You know, just Jesus telling this story, he, he uses the name Lazarus, right? I, I didn't know this before. I was studying for this message, and, and I was looking at it, and it blew me away. It was kind of like, wow, God is so creative. Lazarus, you know what the name means? It means God has helped. Think about this. Jesus is telling the story about heaven and hell. And he's like, hey, who spends eternity in heaven? The one God has helped. Who spends eternity in hell? The one that has refused God's help, who, who spent their life building up their earthly kingdom, doing whatever makes them happy. How can we know where we will spend eternity? If you're a seven or an eight, guess what? This morning, if you, you answered that question in your mind, you were like, I, I'm a seven or eight, I'm a pretty good person. You know, you can be a 10. 
and I'm not trying to say that, like, that in an arrogant way. Like you can be a 10. Like I, I'm a 10. I'm 100% sure if my life ends today, I know where I'm spending eternity. And it's not maybe what you think. It's not based on my resume. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because of anything of me. I'm not good enough. I deserve eternity separated from God in hell. It's because of what he did 2000 years ago on the cross. His love dying for me. So I've humbled myself. So Jesus, I don't, I, I don't wanna build my earthly kingdom. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you the control. You're in charge. I'm gonna follow you. Because of that, because it's not based on what I've done, but based on what he has done, I can have confidence, security, intimacy, because God makes a promise to me that if I would turn to him and admit that I'm broken, that I'm needing of a savior, I need his help. I believe that he died on the cross to bear my sins, to take my debt penalty. So I'm confessing, I want him to become the Lord over my life. If you do that, the Bible says you are made new. You go from death to life. You're given a new heart, a new life. You're you're called redeemed, you're called forgiven, You're, you're made new. You're called, you're adopted into God's family. And as you've been adopted into God's family, God, as a father, he makes a promise to you. He says, now you will spend eternity with me by my side and join in this complete joy, the intimacy and the love of being next to the father for all of eternity. Because it's not based on me, not based on what I've done. I have security. I get to know that I can be a 10. I can have confidence I know where I'll spend. If you got questions you don't know, you still don't know, if you got questions you want to talk to a pastor after our service or in the next song, in room one, or just over there, it has, we'll have pastors in there then for some of us in this room, you're saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love him. I know him. I have that relationship that you're saying. How should we walk away from this morning? Well, a few things. One, if you you think about the story as Jesus is telling it, and if it's a real story, if it's a real story, then Jesus is telling a story about a rich man who has is spending his eternity in hell and it will never stop. God's wrath will continue because it's just, it's right. But if it's real, that means Jesus is telling the story and now for 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, that man has been in hell, in eternal torment, torture, agony, for 2,000 years and he will continue to be there for forever. Nothing will change it. But what is his plea at the very end? What is his 
begging, plea, that it is for his brothers not to come to this place of torment. If we're saying we know Jesus, we have the answer, we're confident, man, God has changed us. We have people who, that we say we love who are going to spend eternity separated from God. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk about how we should be passionate about reaching the lost. It should be one of the core parts of a believer. But it shouldn't start next week, right? It shouldn't have to, we shouldn't have to start next week till we hear a sermon about reaching the lost to be able to reach the lost. We should be motivated enough hearing, thinking about our loved ones and our friends, our coworkers, that they might be spending eternity away from God in hell. We have the answer. Jesus, and through him, we have enough. If you guys would stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning to have the freedom just to come and worship you and spend time in your word. Lord, we thank you for the, the truth. It, it might be hard for us to hear, but the truth that there is a destination of heaven and there's a destination of hell. And Lord, that we all deserve hell, but through your great love, Lord, you provide a way. You said you are the way, the truth, and the life that no one will come to heaven. No one gets to heaven except through you. And so Lord, I pray this morning for someone in here that they might not know you. Right now, they're, they're headed on a destination for hell, Lord, that today it would be the day that they would hand their life over to you. And it would change them forever. And they will walk out of this room knowing that they can have a 10, they can be a 10, they can have the confidence knowing that they will spend eternity with you, Lord. Lord, I pray for us that know you, that you would create in us boldness to tell others about you, Lord. Lord, we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.